Welcome to What Healthy Couples Know That You Don't, a podcast dedicated to helping you create the relationship you truly want. And now, here's your host, licensed psychotherapist, Rhoda Mills Summer. Welcome. Codependency can mean someone gets lost and the relationship is lopsided. Episode 48. Codependency is a murky business. Codependency is always a part of the beginnings of every love affair. The beginnings are so enchanting for all of us. Your partner can do no wrong. They are absolutely brilliant. It's all sparkly and new. Emotional dependency can be a healthy activity and a part of a healthy relationship as long as both partners are still individuals. I went to the Mutter Museum in Philadelphia, which is a museum of medical history. There was a life-size cast of Chang and Ang, born in 1811, and their liver was joined. It was so crystal clear that Chang was the accommodating partner who developed a curvature of the spine, while Ang stood tall. There was a lopsidedness in their relationship that lasted a lifetime. I read a biography, and it wasn't surprising that Chang also became an alcoholic. I think it was to neutralize the probable pain of a curving spine and his unhappiness. On a side note, they married sisters and had 21 children. Codependency is a part of love, and yet it can swallow love whole and make it disappear. I'm going to say that again. Codependency is a part of love, and yet it can swallow love whole and make it disappear. Too much codependency is a pattern I often see repeated over and over again that always ends up with the overly catering partner in my office crying and feeling betrayed. So how does this happen? Let's begin with a definition of codependency. It's when one person gets comfort from catering to every need of their partner and the other partner adores being on a pedestal. There is a range to codependency, so it can also mean way bigger and more problematic that one person is manipulated and controlled by the other. In both instances, the one who caters or the one who is manipulated gets lost about who they are and what they want. They lose track of themselves because there is no balance between their own needs and pleasing the partner. They are so much in love, it feels right to give everything, or they've been trained or manipulated over the years to ignore themselves. This can easily begin in childhood, and then the legacy continues in future relationships. Codependency is complicated because it's also a part of normal relationships. 
Codependency can be about the good parts. Thank goodness, because I don't want to do the taxes. I don't want to figure out how to make all the wires behind the TV work. Or if I have a bad day and I really need to talk to my guy who's been by my side more than 45 years, I'm very happy he's there. So how do you know when there is a lovely amount of codependency or there is a lethal amount that will kill off a relationship? I was a part of four couples that cooked gourmet meals for over 15 years. I was the only woman who did not cook. I still remember a lovely evening outdoors with the four couples after a delicious meal. I don't remember how the topic of nights away from each other came up, but I do remember how surprised I was that a couple that had been together over 25 years had never spent a night apart. Guess which of the four couples got divorced? I'm saying some measure of separateness, some sense of differentiation can be a good thing balanced by the lovely emotional dependence of being together. It can play good. It can play bad. It's not an either-or situation. Both are good things that balance each other out the yin and the yang. But if one person is standing tall and the other is so curved up that their spine looks like a half circle, then they look erased and there is a problem. Five questions to consider to sort out codependency. Is it a problem or a strength in your relationship? The first question I would ask, do both partners have a voice? Second, how lopsided is it? 70-30, 80-20, 90-10. Those percentages might be in the danger zone. Third, what's a bearable amount of lopsided? And what's an unbearable amount of lopsided to you? Fourth, does one of you feel invisible? That would be the one who caters too much. Or, fifth, does one of you feel bored as if too much goes your way and you crave a more interesting relationship? A little more pushback. The one who has all their needs met, but there is no challenge. Things do not have to be 50-50. That's not what I'm saying. You have to decide what works for you. I am saying that the Fleetwood Mac song, I want to be with you everywhere, is only applicable in the exceptional love beginnings of relationships. The part that is just so sad is that the one who caters too much to the more self-absorbed partner, is so shocked when they get dumped. They did everything right. How could this happen? Well, the self-absorbed person is off looking for greener pastures because the simple truth is constantly being catered to can be massively boring. Over and over again, people stumble into the office with their pain. 
They are stunned because this is the last thing they expected after throwing special birthdays, bringing coffee to the bed in the morning, spending weekends doing only what the other partner wants. They are confused and feel lost without their partner by their side. They don't know who they are because their focus has entirely been the other person. They have to find ways to find themselves again. They participated in being erased because they found comfort in meeting all their partner's needs. We all do kooky things for emotional comfort. It's a hard world, and everyone has to find emotional comfort as best they can. Entirely devoting all your time and energy to someone else is just one way that doesn't work very well over the long haul. So how can someone who feels lost begin to build a new world? You have to begin to define your own wants to reduce how other-focused you've been. You have to build your identity by paying attention to what you are curious about. What interests you? How do you want to enjoy an afternoon just for you? You actually also have to learn how to be angry. Anger is a much maligned and still very useful tool in the emotional toolbox. What is the purpose of anger? There is a purpose, and it doesn't have to be nasty or ugly. Anger is a way to say, I'm important too. Anger is a way to be more self-protective. Anger is a way to maintain boundaries. Anger is something that deserves greater understanding of how it can be useful. You have to shift your focus from caretaking others to a more balanced picture that includes being self-protective. Lovely moment in season three of Poldark, where Demelza, the beautiful, feisty, red-haired, lovely wife of Ross, confronts him, and she says, you don't ever listen to my opinion. And I think that's the beginning of her interrupting the codependency. She's recognizing that she has something to offer and he ignores it. And he is pretty self-centered. He likes things on his terms. But she is beginning to really understand more about her own value. And that's really the twist that you have to shift to. You have to find the courage to learn what is meaningful to you, what is important to you, separate from anybody else. This is something everybody in a relationship needs to do. You are far more interesting when you are an individual. It's your job to figure out how to spend your time on the planet. It's nobody else's job. 
When you abandon your responsibility to define yourself, it's a problem for both you and your partner. In fact, the psychologist and author David Schnark, in his book, Passionate Marriage, proposes that codependency leads to a lack of sexual intimacy. He believes that a healthy sexual relationship demands both people are individuals. So it's important for everybody to know who they are separate from their partner. When you are a more whole individual, you bring more novelty home in who you are and what you have to offer. Codependency gives you a false sense of comfort because it seems so certain and you know exactly what to do. The truth is that routine and predictability only keep your fears at bay. It doesn't mean you are safe. Relationships require attention and work. So if sex is missing, consider it a warning sign and don't cop out of talking about it. You have to check in and ask how things are. Ask what's missing. Don't fall into pretending everything is fine because it appears that way. Think about all the hard conversations people keep to themselves because they are afraid to say the truth out loud with respect. My challenge for you today is to consider how emotional dependency is a good thing for the two of you and think about whether or not you balance it with a healthy separateness. For example, would you go to a movie alone that your partner isn't interested in? Would you go to a social event because you wanted to, but your partner was out of town? Do you engage in activities that are important to you, whether or not they matter to your partner? Make a list of ways you are separate and ways you are together. Do you have entries about both? Ask yourself if you constantly focus on your partner's needs, or do you shuttle back and forth, including both of you? The balance does not have to be 50-50 but I believe not less than 65-35. So ask yourself, what is the balance that works for you? Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. You can find more information on my website, therapyideas.net. The next episode will be waiting for you in October. I've started Facebook group for listeners of the podcast. So I hope you'll find me there. Thank you for listening to what healthy couples know that you don't. If you have enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and review on iTunes and help get the word out. To learn more or connect with Rhoda, visit therapyideas.net.